Hello, hello. Welcome to Tuckered Out with me, Ami Tucker. We're so excited to bring you a very special holiday episode that will hopefully uplift your spirits like it did ours. Today, I interview Anisha Abraham, a pediatrician and author of Raising Global Teens, a practical handbook for parenting in the 21st century, which I so need, and Joe Chim, an actress turned producer, director. They are the team behind the short live action film, One Small Visit, which is currently in the running for the Oscar shortlist. Woohoo! It is such a sweet film about Anisha's parents and their visit to Neil Armstrong's parents' house in the 1960s, right after the moon landing, and the impact that visit had on both families. This film honestly embodies the fight to, you know, keep believing and coming together and to remember that fundamentally we all have a lot more in common. It's, you know, it's a story of hope, it's a story of shared humanity, and how small acts of openness and kindness can really make a difference. Lord knows we need that more than ever. Please enjoy my interview with Anisha Abraham and Joe Chin. Well, first, congrats. Uh, I know One Small Visit is in the running for the Oscar shortlist under live action shorts, which I have a question about later. You know, uh, I understand it's a story about your parents' visit to Neil Armstrong's house in the 60s, obviously directed and written by you, Joe, and very excited that it was produced by a female team. So from what I've researched this this afternoon on LinkedIn and IMDb and everything else, it seems like you two have been friends for a while. How did you guys meet? Well, we met when Anisha was living in Hong Kong and Hanfried at the time was posted uh, with the World Bank, right? And we met on one of these like mommy dates, like a playground because we both- Those were the best. Yeah, we both have kids the same age, um, two boys. And we just connected like that. Like we really just got on within minutes. Okay, awesome. And then so then obviously you're doing the doctor thing, Joe- I feel like if I'm correct, I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is her, but I don't know how many, is your last name pronounced Chim? Yes. It's like, I think this is her. Were you an actor before this? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Were you on Mean Girls? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, many questions. So many questions. <laughs> I know that's going to be on my epitaph. Like that. Yeah. You know, I do everything else, but I will only be known as the sales lady from me. It's one of the best films ever and amazing. Anyways, we'll get we'll that part. You can tell me about Lindsay Lohan later. Uh, tell me about the initial talks putting this into a film and, and how did that start? Well, we had maybe discussed this story at a dinner party. And I happened just to mention that um, my family's had a lot of crazy immigrant stories, as many families do. And um, went on to relay, again, the story of my family in 1959, uh, happening to stop at Wapakoneka, Neil Armstrong's hometown. And um, 
this, of course, was in the um, backdrop of you know civil rights movement and all that was happening then. And um, the fact that the Armstrongs opened their door to my parents um, at a time when there were hardly any Indians. And again, two women in saris was just a really unusual thing at the time. And I think the story really resonated with Joe and I'm sure she'll tell you more, but there's just so much that was also happening around that time in Hong Kong and certainly, you know, later wallet events. And um, what I think is really admirable is Joe said, I'd like to write a film script about this. And I don't know many people that actually then follow up and actually do it. Um, and Joe did, which um, is, is just an absolute testament to her perseverance and just, you know, fascination with this story. Um, and not only did she then write a script, but she then had this Kickstarter event that raised funds to film this movie. Um, and this amazing global team came together during the pandemic. And um, now we have this gorgeous, beautiful movie um, that's just come out. Again, I think it's really just a testament to our friendship, connection, stories, but um, the power of storytelling and, and where it goes. Right. I'm yeah. not sure. I'm pretty sure I, I've mentioned I want to write a script about a hundred times at the party. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, who doesn't say that, right? Like, I mean, so many ideas. First, I want to ask as a layman here, live action shorts, like how, how is that categorized? And was the film initially envisioned that way? Yeah, so live action, they, they categorize there's animation shorts, there's uh, documentary shorts. Okay. And so they categorize it that way. So it's basically live action is anything that with real actors okay. that takes place. Oh, okay. And shorts, uh, her academy rules are under 40 minutes in silence. So we apply that that way. I heard the story and, and we were trying to figure out like 11 or 12 years ago at one of these fabulous dinner parties that Nisha always throws. And yeah, I, I was completely entranced. And I thought it was just such a wonderful tale. Serendipity. Um, you know, we're both lunar babies. We're, we're both born in 1969. So we're like moon landing babies. Um, but no, both of us were babies, so we don't really, I think it's always loomed kind of in our background is that year. Right. Uh, but, you know, it wasn't until, I, I think I'd heard it when we first met in 2011 or 12, but it wasn't until 2018. I was actually um, transitioning into writing more scripts and you know, I was actually trying to uh, adapt to something for a feature and it was like so arduous. And I went, you know, maybe I should do a short. And then I visited, um, Anisha, she was living in uh, Amsterdam at the time. And, wow. and again, the story. Anisha, you weren't kidding about living over there <laughs> along with her. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I just keep following her. <laughs> and so um, she said, you really should talk to my mom. And I I always come back to North America every summer because my husband's French Canadian and we spent the summers Quebec. So I was in a WhatsApp conversation with her mom for like two and a half hours. And her mom is an incredible storyteller. And so as she was telling me the story, literally I saw pictures flash before my eyes. And I just thought this is so incredible. And it just really resonated with me. And I thought if it, I feel so strongly about it, I'm sure. I, I just felt like the rest of the world should hear it. Yeah, you just knew maybe like seeing it on the screen would probably be more power as power or more power. Yeah, I started writing it as a short story, um, but then it just the visuals are so strong that I thought I could communicate and convey more with uh, an image, right? Much more than just text. And also, I think because I was an actress for many years, I tend to write dialogue anyway. So it was so dialogue heavy that I thought, oh, let's just turn this 
into a, a short film instead. Right, right. Well, yeah, I looked at the trailer. I watched the trailer. I got to say, I love, I'm assuming, let me make sure I got the character straight. It's you, your dad, your mom, and Dadi or Nadi. Right. Grandmother, yes. grandmother, that mom's dad, uh, mom's dad, mom or and Alice's mother. Yeah. Mom's mother. Okay. I love the trailer where they're walking. I mean, they're walking saris all the time, but like the slow mo of it, like they're get, kind of gangster, you know? Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> I yeah. love that. Like, so that's like the gangster kind of like it could be a rap video with, with Oculus, <laughs> which is kind of like my dream. And then, and then how yeah. your, your grandmother's holding ice cream. I'm like, all of this is just it, like, that's like, it's like every Indian parent, every, every Indian person would be like, that's like my grandmother and my mom. I could totally, even that bit, you know, felt like relatable. And so that slow mo gangster, like you said, we didn't, but in fact, we did in the movie, we just set it to rap music. <laughs> oh my God. So they weren't wrong. <laughs> Love it. And then that is my personal homage to the opening of Reservoir Dogs. So talk to me about the actual filming of it. Uh, you mentioned, obviously, there's a global team, mostly female, I believe, during the pandemic. Kind of how did it all start? How long was it? How did you find your actors? Like, Adisha, were you part of casting, like, your mom and dad? And how was that? Uh, if you guys can, like, both maybe tell me a little bit from your own perspective. Well, I used to be an actor, as you know, um, in Canada. Um, so I, I already had very deep about network. I'm Chinese Canadian, and I knew that uh, in terms of what we needed, uh, the talent pool in in Canada is just vast, especially with South Asian actors. I mean, if you look at Never Have I Ever, the lean of that is from Canada. There's just so many South Asian actors that are incredibly talented that are right from Canada, and and also just my network having worked there for more than twelve years. I had a kick-ass production designer I had always wanted to work with, Jackie Chow, and I knew she was there. And it just was a, a natural fit for me to go back there. And also, um, Canada, or Ontario, where we are, is only six hours away from Ohio. So you can, it's literally, like, across the border. So I knew right. the terrain, um, the flat terrain would be very similar. And this small town of Wapakoneta in Ohio is really, really tiny population, even today. This day, it's only 9,000 people. So I knew that it wouldn't, it'd be really hard to really do a shoot there. Right. Um, and so it just made sense to, to do it there. And then casting wise, it was really through friends and, um, friends and friends. Uh, right. to, uh, if you, I don't know if you ever saw that show, Kim's Convenience. Yeah. So the two leads, uh, Gabriella played Chelsea on Kim's Convenience, and Alora, who plays um, Anisha's grandmother, plays Mrs. Meta on Kim's yeah. Convenience. And already through that work, um, and I knew friends of friends through, to reach them, but already from there, I knew they'd be right. Right, yeah. right. It would be great for these parts. And then Anisha, did you have any say in it, or were you just kind of like, cool, Joe, you, you do it, whatever, whatever you <laughs> say is right? You know, I, I remember that you sent me videos of some of the actors and actors, and ones that really just seem to resonate. And I think part of what's interesting in this whole process is that you have, of course, an image of what your parents look like and what they, what, how they act. And suddenly to have people come in and try to, you know, recreate that, it's like a very surreal thing. And I think at the end of the day, um, what they've really done is to embody, you know, my parents, my grandmother really beautifully. Again, they don't physically look like them. You know, the accents may be a little bit different. And part of this, of course, is a dramatization of, of something that really happened. 
But I, I know the actors and actresses spent a long time really trying to understand my family, to talk to my parents, take videos of my grandmother. And I think what they've kind of been able to put together is very spot on, which is really beautiful. So the testament to, again, the team and the certainly the entire casting process. I mean, now, and I have to give uh, Anisha and her parents incredible kudos for giving us so much access to them. I mean, they were on Zoom calls with us. They got to know the actors. You know, I remember that after Gabby met your mom the first time, your mom's like, I approve. You know, and and that that was, Gabby was supposed to be her mom, right? And she's like, she's a dancer. She understands. She's going to be great. And to get that level of approval and access to the family was just, I mean, they've taken me in as their own daughter. She's our third daughter in the family now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think he has a family, you know, in order to tell such a personal story, right? Uh, But they were getting us back that way. Not just me, but the production designer. Like, we would quiz them, like, what did the house look like? How were you, like, we have certain ideas of what their, the decor would have been. And they're like, no, 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 we actually borrowed all our furniture from the church, you know? And, and so they were very specific with us, which really helps us ground our world. And, and, and it was just uh, amazing to be able to have that specific access, right? To give us the specificity and the detail. That's amazing. And then Anisha, you were, how old were you when this happened? <laughs> I was just a couple months old. Okay. Of course, we couldn't find anyone that was just a few months old. So I was going to say, how old are you pandemic? So I think in real life, um, the actress that plays me is probably two years of age. But okay, um, I, I, I don't have any memories as a short answer of any of this. All right. You were just, a, they just portrayed you as a chunkier baby. <laughs> yeah. It's adorable. Though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How do your parents feel about the film? Well, it was interesting. They didn't quite know what to make of all of this. Like someone's making a film about us and this event. I mean, in our family history, there's a lot that's happened, but this was just one story. And it, and as you'll see in the film itself, there's a picture that ends up in my family album and it says a Neil Armstrong home. And that's kind of the, the end of, you know, the whole story. And um, so again, it was one story and they were just a little kind of surprised as to why this was really going to kind of take. We're like, they're like, why is this a big deal? Like what I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think initially they're like, well, you know, is this the right thing to do? And, you know, what do you think? And I'm like, I think this is a really important story because other people can really identify with themselves um, and not just people that are Indian or South Asian immigrants, but people from many different backgrounds can identify with some of, you know, what's happened um, in, in that context. And I, what has been really neat as we've gone to screenings and we've been part of Q&As and they've certainly um, been sharing their story more and more is that it's been really empowering for them. And my dad is in his late 80s. My mom is, you know, about to turn 80. And um, to be able to share stories of something that was a challenging time. I mean, there were new immigrants, graduate students when they came to the States. And some of the stories that Joe has been able to kind of get from my parents were things that I hadn't even heard about. Right. Like the whole story about going to a Rotary Club event, which again, my dad, um, or the, the actor that played my dad talks about is one day he goes to an event, he's the keynote speaker. And it was again, through the Rotary Club in the South. And the next day he goes back and they tell him to eat in the kitchen because, you know, that's what happens. And that was a really difficult thing, but I didn't even know about that story. So these other stories come through. Um, and I think that to me as a pediatrician is really powerful. I think so much of what we should be doing when we're talking about our lives is being able to share these experiences and these stories so other people know, but we certainly 
don't kind of keep them inside. I do think especially with Asian parents, you know, it's not like they don't want to share. We just don't exchange these kind of stories in general, right? I feel like in, in a small way. Not at way, that level. <laughs> or not that level. And, uh, yeah. and I feel like that's kind of why I'm doing this podcast a little bit. Like I think I've gone to know our community and our parents and our and my parents' stories a little bit more. Um, and it's so cool to see them empowered. So I'm like, I'm already envisioning your parents like sitting there being proud, which is amazing. And <laughs> they should be, right? Because like, they came here as kids themselves. Like, they were so young, you know, and the things they went through nowadays would be a big deal. But back then they were like, yeah, like we did it. It's fine. Like my dad immigrated and moved to West Virginia. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, my mom was on the front page of the newspaper for, for being vegetarian. <laughs> newspaper, you know, and it's just there's so many amazing stories like that. I think what uh, your uncle, Uncle Jeet, who's been part of the whole process, said was really interesting. I think up until then, they had been, um, they hadn't really seen, until we went to, went to DC, we had, and Delaware, we hadn't had a real live screening. It was mostly through Zoom and special. You know, again, through the video, it was hard for them to really imagine the scale. But once they started attending the live screenings uh, and seeing a room full of 200 people react and laugh and cry, they realized the, the power of the story and when the Washington Post article, the, the beautiful article that was written about us, and over a thousand people commented. Um, within 24 hours. <laughs> within 24 hours, it just went viral. That's when your mother specifically went, wow, this, this story is really important, not just for us. I think that's when they finally realized that so many people could connect to it. Because in the comments were amazing. People were sharing their personal stories. Immigrants were sharing their stories, but then people from... The Midwest were sharing stories about Neil Armstrong. And it got to the point where after the Wilmington, um, you know, in Delaware, which is their hometown, we went to their screening and her father said, you know, because I had wanted to go back to Walker, Canada, to the original hometown, because I never got a chance to do it before the filming. And so he said, when are we going? When are we going? And so we ended up going, me and her parents, and we did a day trip to Ohio um, for the day, and we went back to all the old places. And her father was like the six-year-old boy, and he was so excited. He was, you know, whoa, and he had like, oh, you know, what a gift! What a gift yeah, to do! Right? That's just that's that's amazing. Seeing the trailer and understanding kind of the 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 theme of this film, it'd be so cool for you to like thread a bunch of these immigrant stories, Indian Americans, you know, Chinese, or, you know, just immigrant stories around the world. There, there's so many amazing stories like that that haven't been told. Um, and I'm glad yeah. that you've done this. Um, and I hope you continue because it's so important and so needed right now. Joe, do your parents have any fun immigration stories they've, they've shared? With oh, you? it's really like the tip of the iceberg. Okay. We have so many stories, but I think what's special about this story is that what I love about it is, yes, it's an immigrant story, but what I think gives it a, a, a different level to it is that it's also a very American story. We're dealing with the most iconic American family, the Armstrongs, you know, he was literally the most famous man on earth, right? In 1969, he was a rock star, you know, and it was there. He so, was in. Yeah. And what I love about the story is, is, yes, it's an immigrant story, but it's also bringing in, it's as much about the Armstrongs as it is about the Abrahams. And I think that's why it's resonating so 
much. And that's why we ended up screening at NASA and at the Kennedy Center. Uh, we just got confirmed that we'll be screening at the, you know, Space Museum. It's Smithsonian at the National Air and Space Museum on December 10th. Um, because there's the whole element of space, the possibility of space and of mankind coming together in the story. And I think that it's like, I feel like space is like, not the last hope, but the, the global hope, right? Exactly. It's, like glo- it's a global condition. Everyone is, to, when it comes to space, it's, it's like we're all one team. I knew about the lunar landing, like we all do with background. But what I didn't know about after 1960, after they landed on the moon, was this whole global tour that the astronauts embarked on afterwards. And that's what fascinated me because I only knew about this when I did the research. Yeah, And that's where it was really key. I was like, oh my God, a million people showed up on the streets of Bombay. Million people in Mexico City, a million people in Tokyo. It really, for the short glimpse of time, uh, you know, one reviewer put it really nicely. He said there are very few events in human history that were positive that united the world in this way. We we are often united through tragedy or disaster, right? To have something uplifting and uniting that united us as a world, there are very very few instances. Saying this is probably the most notable. You know, this idea of travel and um, being, you know, aware of other cultures and communities allows you to open your door more. So right. I know, I, you know, that could be part of the reason his parents opened her. I don't know. But, you know, she was absolutely fascinated by Neil Armstrong and she's a very feisty woman, which in and of itself is a pretty amazing thing. But yeah. he was really determined to knock on the door to pay respects to Neil Armstrong's parents. And as she says, you know, they had, they, you know, have a child that's a hero. And we've come from another country. We need to pay our respects. So that was just her way of thinking about it. It was not that we look different and we should be embarrassed. It's like we're all awful. And then coming to pay respects to another person that had a child, that's not an amazing thing. So themes, right? We're talking about race, identity, belonging. Um, Today, we are, uh, polarization is crazy and growing. um, And this is a story of connection. This is a story of, Acts of kindness, um, having compassion, you know, all these, all these themes that, that we really, really need to hear and, and watch desperately nowadays. For each of you coming into the movie, what did you believe the theme or the message should be? And did that change at all by the end of it? So the events in the story are all true. <laughs> right. Did a lot of research with Anisha's parents, the Armstrongs had history were all on public record. But what I wanted to bring to it was a kind of uh, a parable in many ways, in the sense that the dialogue I created, right? And and there are points of connection that I created. Because I wanted it to be kind of a lesson in a way to teach us how these families came together. And, and that point of connection and uh, of just really sitting down and listening to each other and sharing. And I feel like, like you said, in this age of polarization worldwide, not just in America, but worldwide, globally, right. you know, I think so much of the world now is reduced to our politics and, and we forget to see each other's tales. And I think for me, that's what I hope we can take out of the story is that if we just show a little kindness, show a little curiosity, meet it with some kindness, we'd find out we have so much more in common and so many 
dreams and values that cut across cultures that we all share. Right. And I think all of us have have forgotten how to listen to each other. I think everyone just talks and no one's listening anymore. Showing that act of kindness and opening the door to someone like that and, and listening to each other, like basic things that we should all do just feels like not happening anymore. And so it's, it's, that's why I think it's such an emotional and sweet story. Anisha, what about you? Like what, what was, what do you think is the takeaway for all this? I think we've talked about a lot of the things that are takeaways. Um, what's also interesting is that for each person that sees it, they come away with something a little bit different. Right. Um, and so some people come away with this um, idea of their own personal story and be able to share it and feeling, you know, much more empowered to talk about that experience. Other people, and again, we saw this in the NASA headquarters, we're talking so much more about how Earth is a fragile place and we have to protect it. And that, you know, again, there is no borders and we all need to come together. You know, others, you know, come to it uh, thinking about loss because it also talks about um, at one point, Neil Armstrong's, um, it references Neil Armstrong's daughter that passed away. And that's a point of connection um, for my parents and uh, Neil Armstrong. So I think what's really interesting is that they all come into it and then come out of it with things that resonate. Um, and that's the power, again, of um, a movie to be able to have those connections and to resonate and to keep thinking about it afterwards. Okay, so so current current stuff. Talk to me. I know you mentioned December 10th. What's happening with like film festivals? What can we expect? How does this Oscars thing work? There's a voting. <laughs> uh, tell me a little bit more about the next few months. Um, so uh, for the Oscars, that's probably the most immediate. Um, we are now part of, I think, a 200 plus list that's being considered. Okay, so Academy members... Thousand of them in the world are able to watch the film um, at the uh, the we're streaming now on the Academy's uh, streaming room. Okay, so if you're a, a voting member, you can watch us there. Okay, <laughs> okay. and then they vote. Okay, there they they choose the shortlist, what they call the shortlist of fifteen out of the two hundred fifteen right. chosen, and then from the fifteen, five get nominated. Got it. So it's a long process. I mean, <laughs> you know. <laughs> For us, it, this little film has gone beyond what we ever imagined. So yeah, so we and then in terms of other film festivals, uh, we do have some coming up uh, the new year. We're still waiting to hear back about that. Okay, but ultimately, what we would love is to get distribution so that it becomes widely available, to that people can like. Right now, it's very hard for us to go. Oh well, you can see it if you live in DC. <laughs> You know, Got it. we'd love to be able to say, okay, you know, we're available on Amazon, we're available on Netflix, we're right. on Disney Plus, any of those bigger. I was just going to mention, it's been a really beautiful adventure because we've been able to take this movie into so many different spaces. So it's gone to Berlin, it's been to Amsterdam, Hong Kong, DC, Wapakoneta, Wilmington, Delaware, Vancouver. Um, what am I missing? LA. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's it's just, you know, been able to go into so many different places. And it, what's universal is that it just resonates with people. Right. They cry, they laugh, um, they come away, and there's just so many things that they want to share. And right. um, I, I think, you know, we're uh, across the board just really proud of that. And again, um, incredibly proud of Jo for her first kind of debut in this. And I think, Jo, this is yeah. something that you're going to need to continue. And, and that's what makes me excited that... You know, as women, you know, being able to come back to what your passions lie in and taking time to do this. This was a really, 
kind of risky thing in some ways, Joe, to like take time from your work to do this. You know, both of us have full-time jobs. We both have teen boys. And to take time to like really work on a passion project is something that we don't always do. And again, Joe, you big do it on. And I think this is really where your life is going to continue to go because you're so good at it. But I think this is a really wonderful story for anyone else that has a passion and wants to be. So really quickly, I just want to talk to you each individually. Uh, Just a little bit about uh, what you're doing. Um, Donisha, I know you're you're a pediatrician, but I mean, I was looking at your resume and I was like, oh my God, she's done so much stuff. (laughs) I can't even like, this is amazing. So you're currently acting chief of the division of adolescent medicine at Children's National Hospital in DC. (laughs) Right? Did I get that right? Yes, you did. And then you also have a book called Raising Global Teens, a practical handbook for parenting in the 21st century, which I feel like I need to get because my older (laughs) daughter is about to turn 10 and I'm freaking out. (laughs) Can you tell me more about the book? Yes. So as a pediatrician, my specialty is teenagers. So um, I think a lot about young people. And um, I have, of course, two boys of my own that um, were born here, but they lived in Hong Kong and Amsterdam and my husband's German. So um, I have in our time, certainly abroad and then coming back, thought a lot about this whole issue about identity during adolescence. And so much of becoming um, a young adult is thinking about your physical identity and then also about your sexual and gender identity and feeling kind of fully formed and all of those things. But um, if you just throw on then culture and thinking about, you know, who am I and where do I fit in, um, especially if you've moved from place to place or parents from different backgrounds or exposed to different cultures, which is a lot of young people right now, it can get really confusing. So that was kind of the premise for this book was how do we think about all of the issues that are happening during your teen years, but from that perspective, again, of, of navigating with all of, uh, all of those issues. But it's, it's very practical. It starts with questions that kids and parents have asked me and then ends with kind of those answers. Um, but it's meant for both, again, parents and, and kids to read it. So I'm like, can I do what's really, I mean, is it on Amazon? Can I it is, it is. Yes. Yeah. This is a fact. Well, that's, that's amazing. And I will definitely check. I feel like parents need, you, you may think you don't, but like, I, I feel like I haven't read a parenting book ever, but I feel like this is about to be the right time to make that happen. So I will definitely check that out. Anything else that you're currently working on besides, you know, this film and, and, and I know the book was 2020. We're in the middle of the mental health epidemic right now for young people. So I think a lot of what I'm working on kind of day in, day out is just helping teenagers that are dealing with anxiety and depression and eating disorders and really making sure they get support and services. So that's a very much, you know, a lot of my work right now um, and working in communities where young people don't always have access. So <laughs> that scares me. I'm very, <laughs> it's very scary. Joe, uh, okay. This is your debut, right? So um, are, are we quitting our day jobs? Are, are we, is this what we're doing now? <laughs> It's a side hustle for now. Um, I think for me, I've gotten to the age where I only want to direct stuff I really believe in. And so the next task at hand is we have an approach to expand this into a feature film. So that's kind of, um, I got my work cut out for that. And then um, I think I have a couple of other stories I would really, really want to do. But again, it's, it's, I don't think I see myself as necessarily somewhat for hire. It's more, I, I would only want to choose stuff that, that I feel like I have a voice that, you know, I feel like 
needs to be put out there as opposed to just, oh, I just want to be a director or, you know what I mean? Like, I think it has to be resonating for me. Right. You know, I think when we embarked on this journey, I knew like immigrants, women of color or just women, because I feel like it's quite a feminist film as well where the women are very front and center. I knew they would kind of be my demographic of people who would enjoy the film. But what's been really surprising, and I always laugh, is when I have these older white gentlemen who come up to me um, and say, you know, your film make me cry. And I'm like, really? How? And I'm so excited that always. I mean, that's amazing. <laughs> like, well, How do you relate to this? And then they'll tell me, oh, it reminds me of my mother. Or it reminds me of the time of America. I, I remember that time. And, and so that always is very, very generous and, and also amazing. You guys, this really is the little film that could. It was so sweet watching it this weekend with my girls and husband and in-laws really does make you laugh, tugs at your heartstrings. It's kind of everything you need in a film. Please check out their website, onesmallvisit.com, and follow them on social media, One Small Visit. Go support these guys. Guys, that is all for 2022. What a year. Thank you again for being part of my little army. I cannot wait to podcast with all of you next year. And look, if you're tuckered out, get some rest and I'll see you in 2023. Thank you all for listening. This is Tuckered Out.